Gilman Scholars, this is your captain speaking. Get ready for takeoff. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the A. Gilman Podcast. It's me, Sarah Murray, and this episode and the one to follow are are extra special because this episode marks the first of a brief series where I have the chance to speak directly with the runners-up and the winner of the Gilman Program's video contest. In honor of Gilman's 20th anniversary, the program hosted a video contest asking alumni to reflect on the program's impact on their personal and professional growth. And after a very competitive consideration process, we have invited our winners to expand on their stories and their creative process with all of you. Joining me now is Morgan Kennedy, who traveled abroad with the program to Ireland with the help of the Yoma Scholarship in 2012. She is now a public health professional with a focus on Indigenous health, as well as an amazing photographer and videographer. Welcome to the podcast, Morgan. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I'm super excited to be joining in today, and I feel so lucky to have been chosen as a runner-up and really enjoyed learning about the experiences of uh, my fellow Gilman alumni. We're super excited to have you. And you had probably one of the most, I'm not sure how to describe it, but the most National Geographic documentary-esque submissions out of the bunch. You know, most of us assumed that you were a professional of some (laughs) sort in real life, but I know that's not actually the case at least at all, but you were actually more in the public health space, like I've already highlighted. So I guess, first and foremost, how did you find yourself working in public health? Well, thank you so much for that compliment. I don't know (laughs) about professional, (laughs) but I'm super flattered. National Geographic has actually been the ultimate lifelong inspiration for me. I used to kind of travel from my, my bedroom by looking at the pages and I would get the magazines at the library free box or at yard sales. So I had quite the stack and that was really one of my first exposures to storytelling. And I love learning about different cultures. So that's a really super compliment. I found myself in public health after a few years as a pre-med student majoring in neuroscience. And after going to study abroad in Ireland, my world and my worldview became so much bigger. And I started to think about health in that way too, not just about curing diseases, but more about what are other things that we can do to promote health, to empower people, to give them better access to lifestyles, things like that. As a first-generation college student and growing up in a small farming town, I really thought that being a doctor was kind of the the epitome of, of success for someone like me. But while abroad, I realized that health is a human right, and that's a human right that I really want to fight to protect. And I can do that in so many creative, different ways. So that's where I started trying to see any any kind of clubs or talks or seminars and classes that I could take to learn more about what is public health. So... I've understood now how you got into the field of public health, but then how in the world then have you developed such amazing skills in the photography and, you know, videography sphere that we were able to witness as judges? Well, it's been a lot of practice and there's a long, long, long way to go, but Photography really came as as a natural joy to me because I was always artistic, always making something. You know, I, I grew up with a waterfall in my backyard. Like I didn't have many neighbors. I was in the middle of farmland. So I really looked to art and drawing and nature for a lot of my enjoyment. And photography specifically, 
has always been special because my grandma carried a disposable camera everywhere she went and she would photograph like the silliest of moments, the smallest of things. So I kind of took that that role as as documenting things myself, like just with family things or as I started traveling, I, you know, brought a little camera with me and and then I got a GoPro eventually and just became totally obsessed with filming and recording. And then it was a way for me to enjoy the experience and relive it all over again as many times as I could. Your grandma sounds like an adorable, adorable human being. And I know you claim yourself to be an amateur, but I mean, in my biased opinion, your video contest entry by no means appeared that way. I mean, you're all, your entry also contained, um, for viewers or listeners, I should say, who haven't had a chance to view your submission and they're all available on Gilman Scholarship Program's YouTube channel. A lot of the clips that you included were not just ones taken on your time with Gilman, but taken throughout your travels over the past few years. I guess, could you tell us a bit more about what your creative process was behind the camera, as well as how exactly you're able to piece everything together as well as you did in the end? Sure. Well, lucky for me, I film a lot. You know, whether I'm dancing salsa in the park or exploring a new neighborhood, playing basketball at the rec center, I always have a camera on me, whether it's just my phone or a little, like I said, my GoPro, I'm obsessed with it. It's really a good habit of mine to take footage often. So it gave me a lot to work with, but threading it all together was, was the challenge because I had so much that I wanted to say. So when I read the prompt, I had hundreds of things that I wanted to mention and, you know, kind of try to inspire future Gilman students that I tried to think about the common thread between everything. And really what that was is, is that throughout my travels, whether through exchange with Gilman or, or other opportunities, I was always met with such kindness and generosity of people and their stories. So I wanted to showcase my own story through visuals of beautiful places, but also of the people that I met along the way who really touched me and inspired me because that's what led to my growth and, and my love of exploration now. And I guess, I mean, you kind of touched upon this a little bit just now, but I guess, did going on exchange have anything to do with your growing passion for photography and simultaneously that storytelling? Were there any other creative influences that formed for you during your time in exchange? I mean, your grandma definitely was one of them, but any others you can tell us about? Yeah, I, I think... Things happened very organically because when I was abroad, I really wanted to show my family back home what I was doing, what I was eating, what I was, where I was going, what school was like, what my friends were like. And this is because a lot of my family didn't have much opportunity to travel before. And I was the first in my, my family unit to have left the country, to have gone somewhere new and somewhere different. So I wanted to make the experience kind of special for everybody. So it started that way. And then I realized like, I really enjoy this. And I, I know I've always enjoyed having a camera and, and, you know, kind of gathering people up and, and making these, these moments together that I started to do that everywhere I went. And I, I learned that for storytelling, the world has so much to teach us and every single person has a story and we can just learn so much more if we take the time to listen. 
So that's something that studying abroad really taught me and showed me because I was taking long buses and train rides with people I never met or relying on strangers for help if I needed directions or had questions or, or just wanted to, to learn more about their community, their culture, their language, anything. You just so beautifully explained, I guess, why you felt it so important to document your travels in the way that you did so you could share it again with your family. And I think a lot of people feel similarly, but in what ways would you encourage others to in some ways take advantage of their abroad opportunity as a way to document and share their stories of their time abroad? I think everyone can do this differently depending on your interests. For me, photography was the obvious answer. But sometimes too, I would sketch kind of some scenes, you know, if I were sitting in a park or on a plane, I I would kind of sketch what was around me or just write a few thoughts that I had. And I found that the documentation is important for sharing with others and important for kind of reliving the experience later on. It also allows you to really live in the moment and feel fully grateful for where you are. So I think when whatever way You can do that, whether it's through writing music that you feel inspired about or journaling or calling your best friend up and just telling them what you did that day. That's all ways of doing that. I just happen to do it with with a lens. I love that. Now, do you hope to, I guess, in some ways in the future, combine your personal and professional interests of public health, adventure and visual media together somehow in your future endeavors? I definitely do. Luckily, I've had a few opportunities in public health already to showcase some storytelling and visual media, especially my work now in Indigenous communities, which really relies on storytelling and traditional ways of of knowing and doing alongside our, our partners in the community, like leaders and elders, so that what we do is culturally safe. So this is something that I get to work on regularly, but it really motivates me to keep going, to keep seeing how I can use video, photography, stories, testimonials to inspire people in health. And not so much as an influencer myself, but through the eyes and experiences of others, because I do believe that there's many things we can learn from one another. And I think that so much of health is empowerment. So if I can share stories to empower people, whether it's educational about prevention, or it's about um, access to things like healthy foods and environments and healthcare. You know, the list can go on, but sharing stories is really empowering. So that's what I'd like to continue in. I couldn't agree more. Now, do you have any words of advice for other students looking to go on exchange who have passions like yourself that are both in the STEM and in the arts fields? Oh yeah, I would say... Studying abroad for me was kind of a happy accident because I used to be a little discouraged by the curriculum for STEM because I I thought that I couldn't study abroad. I thought financially it would be tough, but also when you have your science credits, your math credits, things to finish, especially on a a pre-med track, I really didn't think it, it was possible to do these things abroad, but I was absolutely wrong. So the happy accident was was passing by the study abroad office while rushing to get to organic chemistry class a little late <laughs> and deciding to go into the office totally spontaneously instead after seeing their photo exhibit outside of people who are currently studying. 
And I found out about Gilman there and I found out that, you know what, I could take some chemistry credits. I could take some biology credits abroad in Ireland and it is possible. And even though you might be pursuing a major where you, you know, you have all of these prerequisites to, to accomplish, don't forget about your electives and about extracurricular activities, the, the clubs, the, the sports teams, the, the other stuff too, which makes college such a fun experience. So I was really shocked at how supportive my university was in, in getting me the chance to study abroad. And I think part of that's because being in STEM takes a lot of creativity and resourcefulness too. You need to be able to think outside of the box and be a really strong problem solver. So what better way to hone those skills than to put yourself in a different environment that, that will bring you different challenges? I mean, that makes sense to me. Thanks for all that advice, Morgan. Now, I do have to ask you a few last questions before I let you go. The first one is, do you have a dream travel destination or international experience that you would love to have in the near future? Oh, yeah, I do. Boy, there's lots of places still on my list that I would love to go someday. But the biggest one would have to be Mongolia. And that is because I am truly fascinated with the nomadic way of life, the stunning landscapes in Mongolia, the long history. And I feel like it's a place that might not get a, a lot of attention otherwise in media and things. But if you take the time to do some research on Mongolia, it's super fascinating. And I think the experience with the nomadic community there would really be special and would stay with me the rest of my life if, if ever I get that chance. I'm going to have to do some of that research now. <laughs> yeah, you bet. And are you comfortable sharing any ways for our listeners to get in contact with you after this episode airs? If they want to learn more about you and your experience in public health and videography? Yeah, I would love to talk to anyone who's uh, interested in, in studying abroad or in the Gilman program. Unfortunately, I don't have a strong presence on social media, but you can find me at LinkedIn, just backslash Morgan Joan Kennedy. Hey there. We want to take a break between these amazing conversations to introduce our audience to the Gilman Program Global Partnerships. This is a chance to deepen your understanding of the program and all the critical stakeholders that make the Gilman Program study and intern abroad opportunities possible. The U.S. Department of State's Benjamin A. Gilman International Scholarship Program's Global Partnerships support study in Portugal, Wales, Israel, France, New Zealand, Germany, and on Taiwan. As previously mentioned, the Gilman program will award students these global partner awards in each application cycle. There is no separate application for eligibility. We thank our global partners for their ongoing support of the Gilman program. Check out our global partnerships page on the Gilman Scholarship Program website to read more about our generous partners. That's www.gilmanscholarship.org. Now back to the rest of this episode. Joining me now is Devin Summer. Devin went on exchange to Turkey in 2011. Devin Summer is another one of our video contest winners and was selected as a finalist because of his incredibly innovative and unique musical approach to his entry. Devin now works as an artist, grant writer, and a business owner. Thank you so much for joining me, Devin, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be here. Of course, of course. So please tell listeners just a little bit more about your wonderful self. Well, I'm just an ordinary guy living in extraordinary times. I traveled the world and ended up back in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, uh, where my family moved from New York about 20 years ago, 
where I run a toy store confectionery shop and uh, write grants and perform around the area. Oh, very cool. Well, thanks for making the time to step away from your business responsibilities to speak with me today. And just again, congrats on being one of the runners up for our 20th anniversary video contest. I mean, how excited were you when you found out all this great news? It was very exciting news. I feel very strongly about the Gilman Scholarship Program and the importance of studying abroad. And then I felt particularly honored after viewing the other submissions and seeing some of the amazing work that other Gilman scholars are doing and the things that they've accomplished. Um, it was just, it was really a privilege to be amongst a group of such talented and high caliber individuals. Well, that's very sweet of you to say. And you, without a doubt, also fit within that that caliber. So never doubt yourself. And I mean, your entry really blew me away as you essentially made, I guess, a, a rap music video of sorts for the Gilman Scholarship and in honor of the late Benjamin A. Gilman himself. And you were, you were able to just stuff so much information about the program and its history and have it flow together so well. And it was so catchy. It was really, really amazing. Do you remember um, how long did it take you to write the rap that you performed? Well, I set out with the goal of condensing all of this information into five or six minutes. And so um, after committing to making the submission, I think from start to finish, the lyrical content probably took me around three weeks to complete. Three weeks? Yeah, there were so many stories to tell. And it's a little different from what I normally do in the performance space as I was interweaving just a regular story, like conversational story with the elements of hip hop. So it was a nice challenge. And yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It came together pretty nicely, I think. I'm in shock, but also not in shock because I see the hard work. And for those of you who haven't had a chance to view Devin's entry, please go check out the Gilman Scholarship Program's YouTube channel as all the entries are, are viewable there. I see all the work, but still just hearing it out loud, it's like, wow, that is, <laughs> that's quite lengthy. Um, we appreciate your dedication. And that was just for the rap itself. You also had the visual components. Was that in addition to the three weeks? Was that external? What? That was a little bit extra, but oh, the, wow. the lyrical content was my was my main focus. Okay, well, well worth it because again, I can't say it enough. It was so unique and fantastic. And this also, no way, this could have been your first time rapping either. I mean, could you tell us more about your background in music and in the arts? Uh, yeah. Ever since I was a young child, I've always had a proclivity for language and writing. It's, it's something I started doing at a very young age, like ever since I could hold a pen or pencil, I was playing with words. And it's just kind of evolved as a part of who I am. Ironically, I never listened to rap while I was in the public school system. I was a classically trained musician. I played trombone in high school orchestra, jazz band. I was in a ska band that toured for a little <laughs> while and gave up a record deal from Sony to go to college. So I had kind of a background in music. It wasn't until I was in college that I really discovered a passion for um, hip hop culture in particular. I like to make a distinction between rap and hip hop as one is more of a commercialized art form. And rap is certainly an element of hip hop, but hip hop is kind of a broader culture mm. and mindset. And so uh, I discovered kind of I could blend my writing and poetry with the music in college. Mm. And it wasn't really until I went abroad that I really started incorporating it into everything I do. And then while I was abroad, I, I had the chance to perform on stages and open mics all over the world. And um, I've come to meet some amazing producers, some of whom I still work with right now. 
And I, I kind of just believe that words are some of the most powerful tools that we have. With that in mind, I kind of feel a responsibility whenever I write or perform. And I try to keep that in mind that there's people listening and these words do carry power and just to be sensitive to that. Because I think people who are yeah aware of what they're saying become much more careful with the, the words yes. to use. So I still perform regularly. I perform under the name Camden Scholars. And I have some music out there right now on YouTube, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, uh, any of the free platforms. My music's all free. Anyone can download it. They're interested in my brand of hip hop. That's where you can yes. find it. Your outlook is so thoughtful and special. And there's also, I've also heard people explain that, you know, music within itself is almost a universal language. I think I'm correct when I'm saying that you're not only a rapper, but you also are an entrepreneur and proud business owner. I mean, how did you start your toy business? And I guess what motivated <laughs> you to kind of get into this industry and get out of this comfort zone in this way? I guess sometimes it feels like the, the business found me. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know, we're, our family moved out from New York to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. When we came out here, uh, my family and I all together, uh, we started a toy store. I was in high school at the time. And it was a really great learning experience for me because I got to see how a business is started and created and all this mm-hmm. really involved in it. I mean, actually take part in creating a business like that. So. Mm-hmm. My mother, brother, father, and I um, started this almost 20 years ago. It's called Fig Pickles Toy Emporium. <laughs> very, very cute name. Yeah, it has a, whims- a whimsical name for a whimsical store. And it's definitely, if you're ever in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, uh, you can't miss it. It's, it's become a regional destination. And so after, it started off as just this little store, but after traveling and living abroad for many years, I chose to return and expand upon the work we started my wife and I also just purchased a confectionery store this year. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, mentioning the comfort zone, if you want to be comfortable, definitely do not buy or start your own business. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of more of the essence of small business running is, is creating value for your community and finding needs that aren't met and um, being able to meet those needs. So now we employ between 35 and 40 people between both shops. And the best part for us, I think, is the community outreach that we're able to engage in. We've been able to take it to a whole new level. We publish a book that funds our library. We've raised over $350,000 for our library foundation just through the sale of this book, which has gone totally crazy. We get to support teachers in Title I schools through like our own private business grants and and donations that we get to make to them. We get to provide vocational training for high school age youth who have been totally disrupted over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of call it Fig Pickles Academy. It's like the street smarts to compliment your books. Um, We get to do, you know, we employ special needs individuals living in our community. We've recently been able to kind of find a niche to help some some special needs kids and employ them. And we get to do all this amazing work while playing with toys and creating experiences for kids and families. So we wouldn't have it any other way. Now, did your interests, I guess, merging business and arts together in some ways start before your time on exchange? Or were those always sort of these two regions of passions and interests that you had? I would say that good business is an art Mm. and that my time abroad absolutely reinforced this perspective. Mm. I was able to see the strengths of my home culture as well as some of its weaknesses. And it's important to recognize both. 
Yes. And a lot of people say think global and act local, but until you've actually lived and experienced life abroad in a foreign culture, you don't really understand the full implications of what that actually means. And so, yes, going abroad kind of helped me. I think instinctively, I always knew that there was kind of overlap, like a Venn diagram between these two. But going abroad definitely made that clear to me. Oh, so well said. Are you comfortable diving even a bit more into those changed perspectives that you were able to have because of your time in Turkey on then your home country, home institution at the time, local community? We live in a dynamic and complex world. And the complex and extremely nuanced and difficult challenges that we face cannot be solved with simple solutions. They require equally complex and nuanced mm -hmm. approaches to begin meeting some of these challenges, which I'm sure um, as a very creative species, we will be able to meet. And going outside of the sphere of everything you know and just diving into it and seeing something from a completely different perspective. I mean, this is kind of what I tried to focus on in my video. The change that takes place from studying abroad is so much deeper than professional. Although I know the Gilman Scholarship likes to emphasize that it does help your professional. Very true. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. So vocationally, it's great. But I wanted to emphasize that it, on a human level, it's kind of a transformational experience that you can't come back from. It's like once you mm -hmm. grow in that way, you can't shrink back to what you were before. And the vocational benefits aside, the personal growth that takes place, the spiritual growth that takes place, you're mm -hmm. on a human level, the growth. And I feel like a more wealthy person. In, in spirit and in mind, having had this experience. And it's one of the few actionable things that I can point to when people say, oh, yeah, well, how would you solve this problem? I'd say, well, we could start by making study abroad mandatory. Yes, I couldn't agree more and, and more accessible, most importantly. And that doesn't even have to be on a university level where we send people, mm -hmm. you know, halfway across the world. We could start that in elementary school. You just go to a mm -hmm. national park, maybe taking kids from a rural community or a small town into a slightly more urbanized area and vice versa, taking kids from urban schools and moving them to a more rural area where they can see like farming and the dirt, you know, it's that exchange and the growing perspective. You could start that young and you don't even have to go farther than a couple miles from your school. And then expand on that as you go into high school, you could have students study in other cities and then eventually have them with the skill set and fortitude to be comfortable studying in another country by the time they get to university. All of that aside, you know, I think it's one of the few actionable solutions I could point to right now, something that we could start doing today that would greatly affect policy and perspective on a, on a broader level. So in the end, what I gathered from all of that, putting it together is that I've discovered that the community level is really where we make the most visible difference, right? And I used to mm -hmm. want to change policy and try to influence things with a top-down approach, but I actually had it all backwards. And I feel like we're the most effective when we build from the bottom up. Mm. Now, if you could only use three words or short phrases to, I guess, convince others, not even to just to study abroad, but to specifically travel to Turkey for their exchange, like you were able to do. What would those words or phrases be? You need to see it to believe it. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, that was great. <laughs> Two last questions that I wanted to ask you that I ask every guest who I had the pleasure of chatting with on our podcast. But 
I guess other than, I mean, Turkey, um, do you have any dream travel destinations or international experiences that you'd like to have in the near future? Um, yes, my wife and I would like to go to Morocco this fall. <laughs> Me too, Devin. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> now, how can our listeners get in contact with you or listen to more of your music um, after this episode airs? You can reach me at devinsummer1 at mac.com. It's D-E-V-I-N-S-O-M-M-E-R-1 at M-A-C.com. Um, you can also find my music, like I said, on YouTube, SoundCloud. Just type in Camden Scholars and uh, you can look up some of the pieces I have out there. Context is everything. The first step. You'll know which one it is. <laughs> Well, that is all for this half of this two-part series. Huge thanks and congratulations once again to Morgan Kennedy and Devin Summer. Please take this time to view their video contest entries that are available on the Gilman Scholarship Program's YouTube channel, or check them out on our Instagram at Gilman Scholarship. Again, please stay tuned for the second half of this series that we'll be releasing in August. Okay, till next time. <laughs>